And welcome to our Jackson home this week. I'm joined by Steve Smith. He's the executive director of the Jackson-Madison County Airport Authority, who, which that organization runs the McKellar Sipes Regional Airport. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. So, Steve, uh, before we start talking about uh, the McKellar Sipes Airport, let's learn a little bit about you. Where are you okay. from? How'd you get into the airport business? Well, I, I went to school in McNair County, moved there, but it was my parents' home, so we actually moved back there. I uh, was born in Vero Beach, Florida, but came back as a small child. Went to school in Selmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to school there. My dad was principal of Selmer Elementary School. Did a did a term as mayor there, and uh, so it was an interesting place. Selmer was an interesting place to grow up in mm-hmm. the late fifties and sixties. Yeah, and um, and then how did you get to Jackson? Or I mean, how did you start working <laughs> in airports? Because it's not like oh, it's a it, it's a long story, but I can make it really short. I mean, did you grow? I mean, growing up, did you be like I just I really want to be an airport administrator? Well, I always wanted to be a pilot. Okay, you know, every, yeah. every kid wanted to be a pilot, and and Dad had served some time uh, prior to World War II in the Army Air Corps, and okay. then ended up doing another job for the army as as the war progressed but but he always had that love for airplanes mm-hmm. and so he he uh caused me to be very interested in them uh, yeah. at an early age so when i had the opportunity in 1973 i learned to fly and um, i thought that would be a pretty decent career for me till yeah. i found out i was partially colorblind oh. and uh, so i can't pass the color test I, I faked my way through it for about 30 years uh, <laughs> That's encouraging, you know. Um, but uh, to fly commercially, it took a different medical, and I, I found out early on I couldn't do that. So huh. my original career was uh, radio. I uh, uh, started in radio when I was in college here at Jackson State, and, uh-huh. and uh, basically stayed in radio till about 1993. Mm. We ended up uh, having interests in about six different radio stations, including 103.1 here in Jackson. So it was a uh, it was an interesting time and. And uh, at, at a point there in the early 90s, when I found the thought I was going to do something else, my neighbor happened to be the uh, uh, president, chairman of the board of the Robert Sibley Airport in, in uh, McNary County. Okay. And I was refereeing basketball at the time for TSSAA, and I'd been up here to Jackson and had refereed a ball game, and it was late, about 10 o'clock at night, one year in, Jan- in uh, December. And I pulled in the drive, and Bob called me, and he said, I want to talk to you about uh, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm you know, selling out of these radio stations. I'm find something to do. May drive a truck. And he said, come up to the house. And so at 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> he, we sat and talked about it, and, and it generated a little bit of interest. I'd yeah. never done anything like that before, but, but loved airplanes and loved airports and and found out in the 12 years that I spent at McNary County that I had some kind of aptitude for it. Okay. Uh, it's one of those things that you run across late in life. I was 41, I think, mm-hmm. when I started. Um, I'll be 65 this next year, so it's it's been an interesting, uh, yeah, been an interesting second career for me. And um, and so, do you do you what do you love about the airport? Well, I love the things that people never see. Uh-huh. One of the greatest things that that causes me to be really, um, I guess, gung-ho about what I do is when I see what an airport means to a community. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter the size of the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, in McNair County, we had a co- little company down there called Aquaglass. Aquaglass employed 1,250 people at one time and had 25, 125 truck drivers. Wow. It was a big business in McNair County. Yeah. And we served that industry. We served that company 
by working with the airplanes that Aquaglass owned, and they would bring buyers and customers in. Who ever heard of Adamsville, Tennessee, right? You yeah. just never heard of it. But they would go on, on days, they would go to Detroit and load the plane up and bring guys like me and you that would work the counter of a supply store. Uh-huh. And they would give them a plant tour and show them where everything was made. And when they went back to Detroit and somebody came in and said, I want to buy a plastic bathtub, they had to buy an aqua glass. Yeah. Because it, it was a great way. That, <clears throat> that is a good And way. every community has a story like mm-hmm. that. Every community has a story. Jackson's a bigger airport, so we have a little bit bigger story. But yeah. it's the same thing. That's same really thing. neat. Now, <clears throat> you uh, have family? You- I do. I do. I've been married uh, 44 years, going on 45. That's awesome. I married as a child. <laughs> I did let her get past her 16th birthday. Uh, we were high school sweethearts. We got married and, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've uh, we've gotten along. Yeah. <laughs> we have three grown children. My daughter, Holly, is the oldest. She's a teacher at University School here in Jackson. Okay. And her husband, Michael Strout, is the head football coach. Uh, they have just moved to Jackson this summer and yeah. we're excited to have them. They've been everywhere. They've been Tupelo. They've mm-hmm. been in Selmer. They've been in Scotts Hill. So we're exciting to have the two grandsons in Jackson. Absolutely. I have three grandchildren in, in Selmer by my middle son, Drew, mm-hmm. who owns a construction company down there. And then uh, uh, then my son, Tyler, is married to a young lady that's about to graduate from the Union Pharmacy School. Okay. So, so uh, there's a lot of little Smiths running around. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then one thing that really surprised me, when you sent me your bio, mm-hmm. uh, you've been a sheriff's deputy for a really long time. I really have. In, in, uh, um, it started in 1974 in McNary County, and it was really funny. They used to pay us $92 a week, and you got to work from 5 in the afternoon to 5 in the morning. And some days oh you got boy. to work. Yeah, <laughs> and some days you got to work six days a week. It yeah. was um, uh, some days you got seven, you know. But it was it was an interesting time, and um, I found out really on that I didn't have a whole lot of aptitude for it. But it was one of those things that it was like refereeing basketball. I did that for a long time. Yeah. It's not the greatest job in the world, and people are going to really talk bad about you, <laughs> no matter what you do. Yeah. But it's a job that somebody has to do. And when I came to Jackson in 2009, I had known the current sheriff at the time, and and we were. All of the firemen at the airport in Jackson uh, were special deputies that worked for uh, the sheriff at that point in time, and we did our own security out there. Okay. When John Mayer was elected, he uh, wanted us to go through the academy and get certified by the state, which several of us did, and, um, and we carried the same credentials as full-time deputy. And that doesn't mean that I would do that job. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the uniform division gets to help a lot. We do a lot of things. We direct traffic when there's uh, uh, runs and okay. uh, big events in the fair and, and all of yeah. those things. We're the guys that come in and take care of the, the things so the patrol officers can continue to do what they do. Mm-hmm. The, the hard part about it has, is, to me, has gotten the training. Yeah. Uh, as I've gotten older... The training has just gotten harder and harder, <laughs> yeah. and it's also gotten a lot um, more intense over yeah. the last couple of years. And it should, because that's a very dangerous profession. And the guys mm-hmm. that do it full full time, they're some of the best people I know. And and there's no doubt that Madison County has one of the best sheriff's department around. And, I, and yeah. I'm not going to stop in the state of Tennessee. When you when you work inside a company like that and, and you see how they operate, you see how they mm-hmm. do, um, 
they've really brought a, an era of professionalism to that department. Yeah. And everybody that works down there, everybody works together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you're a part-time reserve officer like several of us are, you you get maybe treated a different way. Well, not not there. Yeah. Uh, you're you you carry a gun, you carry a badge, and you work just like they do. So it's um it's been an interesting uh, three years. Yeah. Uh, with them, and uh, you know I don't know how much longer I'll do it. Yeah. But it's uh it's um um it, some days it really has um uh, has its pluses, and some days you think I know it's Snyder's Barn this summer with a heat index at 105. Yeah. It was really hard to drag that Kevlar around for five or six hours, and and uh, you know some days it's just hard to do. Yeah. And the, my hat's off to the guys that get in the car every morning and do it. Uh, they talk a lot about their main goal is to do the best they can do every day and come home at night. And so we have the reserves have a lot to do with that. We we try to make their life easier, but we also are their backup uh, mm-hmm. sometimes when things go wrong and and they can't get there. Uh, we have reserves probably 60 of us scattered all over Madison County, and you really never know yeah. uh, who's Who would have guessed that the yeah. airport yeah. administrator is going to yeah. be uh, directing traffic on a Saturday? That's and... true. That's true. I've been told I look good in the green uniform. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Steve, let's head into our first break, and okay. then we'll come back and talk some about about the airport uh, and, and the Keller Snipes. So uh, between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is our Jackson home. We're back with our Jackson home. I'm here with Steve Smith. Steve is the executive director of the Jackson Madison County Airport Authority, and they manage the uh, McKellar Sipes Regional Airport. I guess manages the appropriate. That's, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, and so, what does the the executive director of the airport do? Like, are you out on the tarmac directing planes where to go? If I need to be, yes. Okay. If I need to be, that's not necessarily my job description. Yeah. But if I need to be, I do whatever. Mm-hmm. Mainly, the, the greatest um, definition I've heard of an executive executive director is one that works for their board of directors mm-hmm. and takes their instructions and takes them and makes the company run as best possible. So that's kind of my my mission. Mm-hmm. But what I do, we have 22 employees counting the part-time people that work for us. Okay. Um, we have basically two businesses under roof. The Jackson Madison County Airport Authority is a governmental entity and it works off of a balanced budget that's approved every year. Um, in 2010, we bought the lease out for the fixed-based operation, and we went into the fixed-based operation business, which means that the airport authority also owns uh, McKellar Sipes FBO, or fixed-based operation. Let's pause. And okay. What's, what's fixed-based operation? <laughs> fixed-based operation is the, is the entity where all of the airplanes will land and come in. They'll buy fuel. They'll rent hangar space. Mm-hmm. They have uh, crew cars and access to Hertz rental cars. And so actually all the people that come in from the air side will come through the fixed-based operation. Okay. So it's a it's an enterprise fund. It's yeah. not unlike uh, Jackson Energy Authority or Jackson Madison County General Hospital. Um, it's a for-profit business. And uh, for us, we have been able to, um, uh, to take that business and create enough income out of it that we do not take money for operations from the city and the county budget anymore. Well, that's great. We, um, about three years ago, we were able to move our budget into a place where 
we don't come in and ask for an appropriation to run the airport. Yeah. Now, we are county employees. Mm-hmm. We work through the county system, and our benefits are paid by the county. But basic payroll, light bills, all of the things that you would say would be an operating expense to your business, which we have the same thing. Yeah. And so the entire airport, both divisions, the authority and the FBO, are, are both working under a... Um, um, a, a situation now where they're fully funded in house. Yeah. So okay, so the FBO is kind of like the um, almost sounds like the day to day stuff of the airport. It, it's the things that you would consider yeah. the day to day operation. Okay. One of the things you asked me is that what's your day like? Last yeah. Tuesday, I had a meeting that lasted four hours with the Department of Aeronautics. Okay, we had a lot of other airport managers come to Jackson. Uh, about fifty of us, I guess, and we had our engineers and consultants there. And we looked over what the statewide projects were going to be for the next year and the next five years. Then in the afternoon, I met directly for three hours with Cindy Melton, who's my deputy director, and the people that run aeronautics out of the state, getting together an application to eventually lengthen and redo our primary runway. So construction, construction management, funding, grants, that's a lot of what we do in the airport authority side. Uh We've just completed a $7 million project, which we started last August, that totally rebuilt the longest taxiway we have. Alpha Taxiway runs the length of runway 2 and 20. But because it was an old military airfield, it didn't have 400-foot separation between the center line of the taxiway and the center line of the runway. And the new GPS landing systems have to have that. So before we could lengthen our runway, we had to have the 400 foot separation Mm. so now that project was substantially complete last month we're doing a punch out list on it now but a lot of people don't expect a little airport like ours to to bring seven million dollars into the economy yeah ford construction was the project manager on that all of their people worked on the project their subcontractors were all from this area so most of the seven million dollars went into the west tennessee economy but that's all of it did really so, so the airport authority, maybe uh, in layman's terms, is kind of maybe like the bigger picture stuff, like yeah. you know, thinking about how to expand things or build things, bigger, or modernize things, modernize or things. keep yeah. things running. Um, we have a three-person maintenance crew. We mow over eight hundred acres, <laughs> um, and sometimes I'll carry new people into our shop, and they'll say we have three big hundred horsepower tractors and fifteen-foot bush hogs, and all the different uh-huh. mowers of all the different kinds, and. I had somebody in there over the weekend, and they looked, and they said, how many golf carts? This is not a golf course. But a couple of years ago, we decided to stop buying gas to run around uh, on the apron. So we started buying up electric golf carts. So yeah. we're we're getting away from that and trying to be a little bit green with what we yeah. do. So it's everything we do, every, every, every dime that we can save goes into something else. It's modernization. Yeah. Met with Jackson Energy Authority yesterday about new street lights, new LED lights for the front of the buildings uh-huh. and the walkways out there. And I think that project's going to happen. Um, we've been going LED on our pack lights on our building uh, uh, for about a couple of years now. And it's, yeah. um, it's saving us a lot of money. We, yeah. uh, we're down, we, this last year, I think we budgeted $10,000 less for electrical use um, simply because of some of the things we've done and the county's helped us do. Um, over the last three to five years. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to try to make everything work yeah. in the economy that we have today. Yeah. Um, but um, we, we've been doing it. We've been doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and it's fun to get up and go to work every day. Yeah, yeah. that's exciting. Well, that's and that's that's a, that's a blessing. It is to be excited about it. So, what is, what does the airport mean to Jackson? You know, you you look at who uses the airport. That's the first most obvious thing. Uh-huh. Um, Kellogg's, Rado Steel, um, uh, uh, Dement Construction, yeah. Pixsuite Corporation, Toyota Bodine. You know, I could go on and on, but it's you see the yeah. these are the large employers in our in our county. And the airport is important to them because they can move between their other businesses or their home office, or they can have their employees fly out to other places. I know that Pixwick Corporation has um, uh, has a large outreach in what they do. They're all over the United States. Mm-hmm. H&M Construction Company, mm-hmm. they have projects going in several different states. And, and Hoyt Hayes Construction Company, is, is doing the same thing. So a lot of times you see a truck that says Smith Construction and you think, well, you know, I wonder where they're building houses. Are they in Wright's Mill? What are they doing? Yeah. But they may, build, may be building a shopping mall in Sugarland, Texas. And because of the airplanes, they're able to move people in and out. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing yeah. that we see. Um, one day last week, we had $300 million dollars of corporate jets on the ramp for two days. And that was the day after President Bush came to town. Yeah. Um, so we had, um, uh, we had executives and board members from several different corporations that decided to have uh, or had, had had it planned. Maybe they came in to see President Bush, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that was an interesting week too, with Secret Service in our back pocket for oh, yeah. a week prior. Yeah. Um, but you know, all of those things make it really, really interesting. And uh, when you you go back and, and you can look at our Facebook page, I think maybe that was posted uh, a picture of those jets. But um, three hundred million dollars in corporate jets on our airport is a lot of heavy iron for us. And yeah. and it was a good week. You yeah. know, we, we measure the FBO success by fuel sales, and it's a good week. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, the other part of that would mm-hmm. be, I guess, would be the airline that uh, sure. Air Choice One right, right now. Right. So, so, and I'm not like trying to start nothing, but uh, planes, flight, flight, air, airlines like Air Choice One right. get some subsidies from they the do. government. They do from the Department of Transportation. What's the thought process for you, the government to do that? You've got to go all the way back, and uh-huh. I mean, it goes way back to the Civil Aeronautics Board. Yeah, used to before the FAA was around. The Civil Aeronautics Board would decide what routes, if you owned an airline, what line, what routes you flew. Oh. and so at some of the big airports, there was always a bidding war for gate avail- availability. Well, in, in 1977, the, the wave to deregulate airlines came through. And so to, to lessen the blow on smaller cities, the essential air service was formed mm-hmm. for everybody that currently had commercial service. Jackson had Republic Airlines, I think, maybe Delta by that time. And they were flying two flights a day, DC-9 service out of Jackson between Memphis and Nashville. Huh. And because of that, uh, Jackson is the only Tennessee city that qualified for essential air service. There are like six or eight in Mississippi, but Jackson is the only one. Smaller companies have now begun to bid on that because there's such an airline war that's been going on. And the reason that it's important for Jackson and Madison County 
is, again, what I was talking about a minute ago. We have a certain number of business executives every week mm-hmm. that fly to St. Louis, make a connection, or do business in St. Louis. If you stopped and looked at the companies that we have here in Jackson, it's amazing which ones parent companies or have other companies in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, Toyota Bodine, for example, yeah, has a St. Louis plant. connection. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a company in Selmer, Connector Castings, that has a St. Louis mm-hmm. connection. Where it comes in handy for folks like you and I is that for 30 bucks we can fly to St. Louis and just spend the day walking the street, yeah. which is just fun to do. Yeah, not St. Louis is a fun city. Not when it's 53, but, yeah. but you don't even have to have, in the summer, if the Cardinals are in town, you don't even have to have Cardinal tickets yeah. because the party's in the street. Yeah. All of Ballpark Village and all of it going on, it's just fun to be around. Um, the Hilton, which is there in Ballpark Village, has one of the top 10 rooftop bars in the world. Now, that means out of the top 10 rooftop bars, I've been in one because I don't go to a lot of, but it's really an interesting thing to go to the top of the Hilton and and just Mm -hmm. look and see. See Um, We've done the arch. We've Mm -hmm. got about six or eight restaurants that we found out that we really love in St. Louis. So it's it's easy. And we've had people that'll go up for the day. You leave at six o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. and you have 12 hours and you need to be back at the airport by six. You go through security in St. Louis. You're home by eight fifteen. So it's just it's crazy. It's a neat thing to do. Yeah. And you'll have about sixty one or two dollars a mm-hmm. person in that. And the reason that it's the cost is so low is because of the essential air service. The Department of Transportation pays Air Choice One to provide that service to Jackson, Tennessee, because yeah. we had lost that service in the 1977 deregulation. Interesting. So that's what it is. Now, we have to do our part. We have to implant so many a day, and we can't make the government pay more than $200 subsidy per passenger that rides on that airline. Um, when Air Choice One came, our per passenger was way out of whack, almost $500 a person. We've gotten that into striking distance now. We've gotten that down to $230. Uh-huh. for each person and I think this year we've renegotiated the contract with Air Choice they've taken a four year contract with the Department of Transportation and um, I think this will be the year that we all get back together yeah well that's really interesting Like, and that's something most people would never know never, about you don't think about that and, uh, and I knew nothing about it when I came here yeah. that was the interesting thing I was a country airport manager uh-huh. and I, I which would have just been fixed space operations stuff yes, right yeah and I walked into Jackson, Tennessee, and all of a sudden they were telling me, now we, we do this, and we do this, and we do this, and I, you know, I, I, I go back to what I, I think got me the job, and, and one of the commissioners when I interviewed for the job said, we have a crash out here and somebody dies, what does an airport manager do? Well, the sad part about that is I had that happen to me mm. in 2000. And I had gone through that with the FAA, and I'd gone through that with our fuel people, and I knew what the answer was. And so it's always good when you look at those things and you have some. It's not good that you have the experience, but the good Mm -hmm. that you know what those things are. And, And so... You look at all the things, go back to your original question, what does an airport manager do? Yeah, yeah. Well, I had somebody today measuring to put two-way film on one of the glass, or a couple of the glass doors out there because we've got clients and customers complain about people watching them eat their lunch if they eat their lunch in the desk. So you do yeah. all these little things to uh-huh. try to keep everybody happy. And I picked up 
two styrofoam cups and a piece of notebook paper with somebody's homework from Jackson State on it uh, <laughs> that was blowing around before I got in the car to come see you. So yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot of things that we mm-hmm. do. Cindy Melton from Henderson is our deputy director, and um, uh, she brings a lot to the table. She trained under Rodney Hendricks, my predecessor, who was a CPA, yeah. and she basically does um, finance and administration. And those folks that know me know that you really don't want me in the finance side of it. <laughs> so it, it's good to have Cindy on board with us. Uh, she and I, in 2014, um, were named Tennessee's top airport managers in state. Wow. And so uh, we held that That's designation awesome. for a year. But, you know, we'll I guess we'll hold it forever for yeah. that year. But, but um, as a country airport manager, I never thought I would have the ability to walk on stage and receive that award. Yeah. And I think that the, um, the ability to come to Jackson and to work with Cindy and to work with Madison County and the commissioners and Mayor Gist and Mayor Harris gave me that opportunity. And it's been a fun time. Side note, and I'm kind of hitting pause. Do you mm-hmm. know about the naming of the place? Why I it's sure called did. McKellar Sipes? I sure did. Okay. So, and then why is it called McKellar Sipes? Oh, that's another good story. We're full of good stories. <laughs> um, K.D. McKellar was a wartime senator from Tennessee. There's, um, um, there's a machine that used to run the city of Memphis, the E.H. Crump machine. And they, it was the, he was the boss of Shelby okay. County. Well, Mr. McKellar was his lawyer. So to reward him for all of the work that he had done, he got him elected senator from Tennessee. <laughs> and he was the longest serving senator from the state of Tennessee for many years. Uh, a side note, as you said earlier, he served until the 1960s, or maybe it's the 1950s, I don't remember, when Al Gore Sr. beat him. And back then, whoever ran the Democratic primary and won was automatically because the yeah. state voted overwhelmingly Democratic. Uh, but K.D. McKellar was two things that he's really kind of famous for is he's the guy that wrote the bill that gave air service, U.S. mail service to the airlines because they knew war was coming and the Air Force or the Army Air Corps was flying the mail. Mm-hmm. And they said, we may have to go and, and take these young men and we can't deliver mail, so we've got to do something with yeah. it. At that time, Howard Hughes and all his pals in the 30s were trying to make a go out of commercial air service. They couldn't because they didn't have a steady income. When the Congress gave them the email to fly, all of a sudden they had a steady income and Pan Am and American and all of those uh-huh. began to carry the mail for the government and they had a steady income. K.D. McKellar, Senator McKellar from Tennessee, is the guy that wrote the bill and got it through. Interesting. So in 1941, when citizens of Jackson decided they would like to build an airfield for the government and lease it out, who better to name it than McKellar Field because of that? Also, during the war, Senator Roosevelt used Senator McKellar, President Roosevelt used Senator McKellar as a sounding board for a lot of things. And it's rumored to be true that one day at the White House, the president said to Senator McKellar, I need a place where nobody would think to look for a top-secret operation. And McKellar told him, you know, I fish in a place in East Tennessee called Oak Ridge. You ought to send somebody to look at it. <laughs> so McKellar is, is um, if you research him and you look and you see, uh, he was an amazing senator, mm-hmm. uh, even for the circumstances that, that he was there. He was a lawyer. He yeah. grew up in Alabama, went to the University of Alabama. His law degree was from the University of Alabama. And our airport carried his name until about 1990. Okay. And in 1990, the Sipes was added for Lieutenant Buster Sipes. 
Jackson native, U.S. Air Force, um, and during the um, uh, Vietnam War, he was stationed in England and uh, took off from one of the small air bases there, and he was flying an F-101, uh, I believe, and it flamed out. He was on a direct trajectory. If he'd have bailed out, the airplane would have gone through a school where there were 200 students oh there. And so he tried to land the airplane and almost had it, but he was a little bit unsuccessful there in the end. Mm. Um, uh, his wife still lives in this town. His children uh, grew up in this town. Yeah. When I began to try to research this in 2009 when I first came here, it's a story that may, will make the hair stand up in your back. I began to research that, and one of my board members, Bill Sipp, CPA yeah. here at town, um, Buster was his dad's cousin. So there's right. a family connection yeah. there. And he told me, he said, this is where Mrs. Sipes lives, and this is her phone number, call her. She'd love to talk to you. So I did. She called me said, come to the house and let's talk. So I went over there on, the, on an afternoon in 2009, and we were talking about 1.30 in the afternoon and she was showing me all of this and I happened to look at the date in 1969 mm -hmm. and I was there on the same date in 2009 at the same time Whoa! in the afternoon. Whoa. Whoa. So it's funny how some of those things work out. Yeah. We found out that there was and there still is a bronze plaque in the library commemorating the life of, of uh, Robert Sipes. Mm. But he had, a, he had a display case that had medals and things from his career, his, his uh, yearbook from Jackson High School, all that were in it, and it was at the library. I thought, well, I need to see that. So I went down to the library, couldn't find it. So I went to the gentleman that was the librarian at the time. He said, oh yeah, it's in the children's section. Uh, yeah, I thought so too. So I go over <laughs> to the children's section and he shows me and we had to move uh, a blackboard thing and there was this beautiful cabinet with all the Buster Sipe stuff in it. And I asked him, I said, would it upset you if I asked somebody if we could move these to the airport? Yeah. And he said, I think that's where they should have been all along. <laughs> so I went back and I talked to Ms. Sipes and, and she talked to the family and then I wrote a letter to the library board. I talked to the mayors. And it came to that day when we were going to move everything. We took the airport police and we took airport maintenance, and we drove and we and we drove in possession procession to the library. And the Sipes met us there, and we had these felt lined boxes, and we let her take everything out of the case, yeah. put it in the boxes. The airport police put them in my my um, Bronco or Explorer, whatever it was, and then we all went back to the airport. Maintenance beat us there, of course, had the cabinet in place, had it clean, and then the Sipes put the things back the way they wanted them, and we locked the cabinet, and nobody's touched them since. The interesting thing is one of the great-grandsons was in the 101st Airborne, and he had been deployed, and he was home, and he was in uniform. Mm -hmm. We got back to the airport. His regiment from Fort Campbell had come to the airport wow. just for that. So it was an interesting day. Now and again, a, you ask why I do what I do? Yeah. It's because I love it. Well, that's a piece of Jackson history <laughs> that is. I imagine most it people is. don't know. It is. And so, you know, what I say is, and, and we're working hard to get Buster in the Tennessee Aviation Hall of Fame. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. But uh, 
I had a, a really good friend of mine who was a teacher one time tell me about the airport in Selmer. I drive by that, but it's menacing. It's not friendly looking. Mm-hmm. And that was because of the fence and the barbed wire and all of that. Jackson's not that bad. Come in the front part, come yeah. in the front doors. Buster Sipes medals are right when you come in the front door. Come in and look at it, look at the case. There's a little thing on Katie McKellar there. We put all that in after I came. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. If you've been through there, you've probably seen it. It's right as you come in the front door. But it's, uh, uh, again, it's just one of the reasons we do what we do. What do you think is the future of the airport? Um, you know, one of the great things about the aeronautics aviation side of our business is we have to plan 25 years out. We have an engineering document that was done in 2007. And it's a 25-year document. We update it ever so often. Yeah. And we're probably, after this last taxiway project that we finished, we're going to have to update it a little bit more. But but we look at, at, at what we think is projected growth and, and where things are going. And in the airline industry right now, there's a big pilot shortage. Mm-hmm. Big pilot shortage. Yeah. So when we look at where we're going, we're in negotiations with a very large flight school right now. They have three other locations uh, in the South. Uh, we currently don't have a flight school there anymore. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're um, in the process of talking with these people. They have been up several times. Uh, they seem to have a lot going on. They train a lot of students from other countries, but they're also looking at creating a, um, um, a school for maintenance technicians. And we just happen to have a brand new, empty, finished, 100 by 100, never occupied hangar. So we're looking at marketing this hangar yeah. to these people. And, and uh, we have talked to our Chamber of Commerce. And uh, we, they're coming in for the business after hours on the 16th of November. And those folks that are listening, if you used to come to business after hours, you think it's the end of the month. Nobody wanted this one because it's so early in the yeah, month. Yeah. And Thanksgiving is at the end of the month. So we're having it at the airport. And the first hundred people through the um, through the doors on the sixteenth at five o'clock are going to get a free ride to St. Louis Ooh, well. at, at their choice. So yeah. you know, uh, uh, everybody come on out. But we've got these folks uh, from this flight school coming in on the sixteenth. Yeah. Um, but as we face this pilot shortage, we used to think that the regional jets, the fifty to hundred person regional jets, were going to be the the thing in these small communities. It's not going to happen because uh, they can take an airline that'll, that'll carry 256 people now with the technology and still fly it with two pilots. So you got two pilots on a reg- regional jet flying 50 people, or two, so they're going to the big airplanes. Yeah. We're in a great position because we have a control tower. Our runway is 150 feet wide. Our taxiway is wide enough now with, with the new taxiway with all the new lead-ins and all in the 400-foot separation between the center lines. So the next project is to rebuild the 38-year-old runway mm-hmm. and to try our best to get it, and funding's always an issue, as you know, but if we can get it to 75, 7,600 feet, then we can go out to the Allegiance, to the Jet Blues, to all of these folks and market the airport because their insurance, even though we've had airplanes of that size come and go before, yeah. their insurance won't let the carrier work every day of the year unless they can carry a full load of fuel and a full load of people on the hottest day. And that runs into an interesting phenomena that pilots know about. But, but heat has a thing to do with it. It's called density altitude. But, but being aside, 7,600 feet, 
would make the MD-80 uh, uh, 800s available to run in and out of Jackson and some of the newer aircraft too. Okay. Uh, so we're really interested in making that happen. Another side of that is earthquake relief. And we've been training for earthquake relief for seven or eight years. Because isn't, isn't yeah. McKellar-Sipes like the, the headquarters if... The command bad, and control. If the bad thing happens in yeah. Memphis. Yes, we're, we are command and control. Yeah. Uh, if you look at what we're doing out there, and that's interesting, and we could do a whole other show on yeah. that. Um, uh, we rented space for the county fire a couple of years ago, and they built a brand new administration building out there. Mm-hmm. Eric and his people, uh, uh, their new Station 17 is on our campus. Uh, the National Guard has switched over from the fighter aircraft they flew back to the Blackhawks, which are for search and rescue. Yeah. And we have 15 of those stationed at McKellar's uh Army Airfield out okay. there. Um, Marty Clements Emergency Management Agency is in our um, in our building that used to be a flight service station, an FAA radar facility, mm-hmm. Building Seven. They're in that. We just sold a piece of property to the um, uh, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, and they're going to build a hundred million dollar crime lab. It's going to be uh, on the Smith Lane side, down by the uh, waste collection station. Uh, almost right across from uh, Kirkland. Okay. Uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol is looking at a spot out there that we've made them a price on, on a piece of property. And then the Sheriff's Department is moving into the, um, the old Denmark Middle School. And if you look at an aerial map, you actually, their old football field, you go through the tree line in the back of the football field in your own airport property. So looking at all these emergency services Uh located in this area around the airport. And so as we look at what might could happen, we we train and we prepare for it. Uh Uh, The airport is, um, um, if if the bad thing happened today, we could... Which is a massive earthquake. At 7.4 or bigger. Yeah. And uh, soil liquefaction, all that stuff. But we we could support our full crew... For two weeks, we have the food stuff, the meals ready to eat, the water stockpiled. We have all of that, yeah. and um, and um, and and everything we need to be self-sufficient for two weeks. Huh. Uh, however, we've been told by TEMA to expect 300 helicopters the third day. That's when it would all start. So, looking at at, at lengthening and runway and making it bigger, the Army's quit flying the C-130s, which we could handle. They're now flying the C-17s, so that's another reason to go to the bigger room. Yeah. So, so, so not only executive director, deputy uh, person, we could also add prepper to that list of, well, of jobs. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. We, we do have a stockpile of ammunition out there. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much. Uh, I think I've learned a lot, and I, and I felt like I knew a good bit, but I've, I've learned a lot. And there's a lot of neat history there. That, it is, it's, that, it, it's an interesting place, and like I said, it's, it's not... We're not a foreboding place. Everybody's welcome. Come out, walk through the terminal. Um, uh, you know, see what we do. Uh, yeah. This time of year, it kind of gets stark and cold out there because nobody wants to go outside. But yeah. uh, uh, it's a it's a fun place to be. And if we're able to recruit this new business, yeah. there'll be a lot of air traffic for a while out there. And that's what we need. We need numbers. And so it's all numbers. All right. Well, Steve, uh, thank you so much for uh, happy, helping to make Jackson a better place and choosing to call it home. Thank you, Kevin.